Shortly after Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus, Jesus made it clear that Saul was set apart for a high and holy calling and that he would suffer terribly for the cause of Christ. Indeed, Paul suffered as a missionary of the Lord Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the gritty and graceful apostle writes, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. On top of all that, Paul faced many dangers, toils, and snares, including shipwreck multiple times. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Have you calculated the high cost of following him? Are you ready to suffer for Jesus? I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. Through the years, there have been thousands of books written on self-improvement, but very few on self-denial. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Salvation is a free gift from God, but followership, walking in the will of God day by day here on earth, that's going to cost you something. Today, Ron takes us once again to the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul a man who suffered greatly for the cause of Christ. Stay with us now as Ron moves ahead with his teaching series, Paul, Surprised by Grace. Or pay a visit to somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now from Acts 21:22, with today's message, The High Cost of Following Jesus, Here's Dr. Ron Jones. The cost of discipleship is something that every Christian must calculate. Now make no mistake about it, uh, salvation, eternal life is free. It's a gift given to us uh, by God, paid for in full through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But following Jesus is pricey. Jesus made this clear by associating the cross, which uh, meant certain and painful death, associating the cross and, and even self-denial with following him. Go with me in your Bible to Luke 9, verse 24, where the Savior said rather pointedly, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Just let that sink in a little bit. Deny himself, not indulge yourself, but deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. A little bit later in that same chapter, uh, Jesus encountered a man who was eager to follow him. He said, well, you know, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, you haven't counted the cost, friend. This isn't going to be easy. If you think we're just going to hop, skip, and jump from the Ritz-Carlton to the Hilton to the Marriott Hotel, listen, I don't even have a Motel 6 to lay down in. Are you ready for that kind of journey? The foxes have their holes. The birds of the nest, the birds of the air have their nests. But I don't have anywhere. I don't have anywhere. 
One more example drives the point home when a large crowd was forming and they were following Jesus. Uh, he, he had a way of thinning the crowds, so different than most pastors today, myself guilty to some extent. We love large crowds, right? No, when Jesus saw the crowds getting bigger and bigger, he had a way of thinning the crowds. Uh, he said in um, Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I, I read things like that and I, I wonder, did Jesus really say that? Did he use the word hate? He concludes there by saying, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Obviously, he was using hyperbole, exaggeration to make a point. But then he turns to that crowd and he tells them to count the cost of following him. Verse 28, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Following Jesus may mean we lose um, an important relationship because our relationship with him must come first, he says. Discipleship might mean giving up something physical that gets in the way of following Jesus or letting go of something emotional. That's more like where we are today, right? And then Jesus said in Luke 14, verse 33, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. He used the word cannot several times. He didn't say, oh, it's hard to be my disciple if you have all this baggage you're bringing along. No, he says you cannot be my disciple. Have you calculated the high, high cost of following Jesus. Well, the Apostle Paul did. I want to take you back to Acts chapter 9 for a moment, um, to that scene where uh, Saul of Tarsus had his Damascus Road experience. You may remember that they, uh, they took Paul further and into the city of Damascus, and in time a man named uh, Ananias was sent by the Lord to Saul, and Ananias was understandably hesitant to talk to Saul of Tarsus. I mean, he was known as the terrorist from Tarsus. He was tearing up Christians and persecuting Christians and arresting Christians and killing Christians. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now listen to this. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And indeed, the Apostle Paul suffered as a missionary of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. A strong resistance even came from uh, his fellow Jews, whose loyalty to Moses eclipsed uh, their belief in Messiah Jesus. Now, when did Jesus share all this with Paul? When, when did Paul come to an understanding of how much he would have to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ? I believe perhaps during those silent years, remember when Paul was in Arabia for three years, down in the southern region there, probably near Petra and those places, desolate place, lonely place. And then he came back to Damascus for a short period of time. And then 
went home to Tarsus, some say for up to a decade, a long, long time, where Paul was taking his uh, theological understanding. Remember, he was a scholar of scholars. He knew the Old Testament scriptures well, but now he was connecting the dots between the messianic prophecies and Jesus. But it was perhaps also during that time that the Spirit was testifying to Paul how much he must suffer for the cause of Christ. And he was getting out his calculator and calculating the high, high cost of following Jesus. If he didn't learn about it then, uh, the apostle certainly got a taste of costly discipleship during his first missionary journey, which took him to, among other places, Lystra. Remember what happened in Lystra? They dragged him outside the city and stoned the guy, left him for dead. Well, he didn't die. His uh, colleagues picked him up, dusted him off. He went back into the city, believe it or not. But he got a taste of what the Spirit had been testifying to him all along, and things didn't get any easier from there. At the end of his third missionary journey, Paul, almost like Jesus, set his face toward Jerusalem. Uh, it was a hotbed of Jewish resistance to the gospel going to the Gentiles to which God had, had called Paul. And he even received some pushback from those who believed it was too dangerous for him to go there. Some well-meaning friends and colleagues said, no, Paul, you don't want to go to Jerusalem. They're, they're waiting for you. They're, they're, they're going to take you and arrest you and maybe even kill you. And that brings us to Acts chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, where Luke writes, and when we had parted from them, them being the Ephesian elders that Paul had gathered at the end of chapter 20 to say farewell to them. Remember at Miletus he did that? When we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. And when we had come inside of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. And from there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And they jump on this ship and, and it lands here in Tyre. It takes about seven days to unload the cargo. And, and while they were there, they, they meet with some of the disciples. And through the Spirit, Luke said, and through the Spirit, they were telling Paul uh, not to go to Jerusalem. And when our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey. And they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. Again, following Paul's tear-filled farewell to the Ephesian elders, whom he had summoned to Miletus. He, he was in such a, a hurry to get to Jerusalem and later to Rome, he bypassed Ephesus. And he came to Miletus and he says to Luke and the team, get the Ephesian elders there. He says his tearful goodbye to them. And then Luke provides this kind of detailed travel log of their journey from Miletus uh, to Jerusalem. When they arrived in Tyre, they sought out the disciples of Jesus. They enjoyed some time of fellowship. And apparently the disciples there received the same briefing from the Holy Spirit that Paul had received about the troubles that awaited him in Jerusalem. And, and Luke says, through the Spirit, this was Spirit-filled counsel, or at least their knowledge of the troubles was through the Spirit. And they told Paul, don't go. Don't go to Jerusalem. 
Now, what are we to make of this? Because we know Paul went. Uh, did Paul make a mistake by not heeding their spirit-filled advice? We know the Holy Spirit expressly told Paul of the troubles that awaited him in Jerusalem, right? But we have no record of Paul saying the Holy Spirit told him not to go. Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Paul, Surprised by Grace. Look for it online at somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. All scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof. But let's face it, God gave us a lot of scripture. 66 books and more than 600,000 words, and it can sometimes be a little overwhelming to read. That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, to help you navigate your way through the highways and byways of God's Word and see how it all fits together so brilliantly, how every path, every passage, and every page points to Jesus, who is the Christ. The book comes in two volumes, Volume 1 covers the 39 books of the Old Testament, while Volume 2 takes you through each of the 27 New Testament books. Both are now available to order, and I'd love to send them to you today. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2, can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, there are so many good books published every year. Why should someone buy The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible? And who did you have in mind when you wrote these literary travel guides through the Old and New Testaments? You know, Brian, your questions make me think of the words of wise Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12. Of the making of many books, he writes, there is no end. And oh, how true that is. For what it's worth, as a Bible teaching pastor for more than 30 years, the ultimate road trip through the Bible is my way of helping people understand the overall story of Scripture and how all 66 books of the Bible fit together into a unified work of the Holy Spirit. I wrote with all kinds of people in mind, starting with the serious Bible student, even those who teach the Bible. I'm thinking of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and small group Bible study leaders who might use these two volumes in their preparation. But I also wrote for the person who is just getting acquainted with the Bible, which we all know is the best-selling book of all time. Brian, you can read The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible from beginning to end like any other book, or place it in your Bible study toolbox. I know that if you're a lifelong learner of God's Word as I am, you will return to The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible repeatedly. As companions to your personal Bible study, these books will always help you see the big picture before you dive into the details of any book of the Bible. 
That's why I'll be ordering my own copy, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. And you can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours as our way of saying thanks when you make a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099. Or you can mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. His closest friends practically begged him not to go to Jerusalem. But the apostle had already made up his mind. But the apostle Paul had already made up his mind. With the rest of today's Something Good radio message, the high cost of following Jesus, here's Dr. Ron Jones. But I believe Paul had already counted the high cost of following Jesus. His eyes were wide open Perhaps from the very beginning, perhaps from his time in Arabia and in Tarsus, he, he knew what he was walking into. He had gotten out his calculator and calculated the high cost of following Jesus, not to mention taking all of his privilege and all of his status as a rabbi and a Pharisee and you know, of the tribe of Benjamin and all that he learned and tossing it on Mount Trashmore, we would say. He had calculated all of that. So, you know, a little, little trouble in Jerusalem didn't phase the apostle. In fact, even to the Ephesian elders, if you go back to chapter 20 and verse 22, Paul says to them there in Miletus, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. And then verse 24, and this was our theme verse as we journeyed through uh, Paul's missionary journeys. We kept coming back to Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. I, I told our group, I said, commit this one to memory as best as you can. Paul then says, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul remained determined to arrive in the holy city of Jerusalem, well, he wanted to get there as quickly as possible. And perhaps one of the reasons he wanted to do that was, remember, he was carrying an offering, his team was carrying an offering that they had collected from all the churches that he had planted throughout Macedonia and Achaia, and these were, were very poor regions. Remember, uh, the Corinthians hadn't participated in the offering, and so he sends his second letter to them, chapters eight and nine, you know, encourages them, uh, look what the Macedonian churches have done. But one of the reasons that he, he was going to Jerusalem, he, he thought that this offering that was given by Gentile believers for the poor in Jerusalem might serve as a bridge to bring unity between the two because the flashpoint among the Jews who were loyal to the law of Moses and couldn't make you know, the connection between the law in the Old Testament and the arrival of Messiah Jesus, the flashpoint was around taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And maybe this uh, uh, show of uh, generosity uh, would, would, would uh, soften the angst a little bit and bring about uh, unity. That was one of the reasons I think he wanted to get to Jerusalem as quickly as he could. Uh, but the uh, disciples in Tyre said, no, don't go. And then a little bit, a little bit later in chapter 21, uh, there was a, a, a well-respected prophet named Agabus. 
He had predicted a famine that took place around 46 AD during the reign of Emperor Claudius. You can read about that in Acts chapter 11. He also warned Paul about the troubles he would face in Jerusalem. After departing Tyre, Paul and the missionary team sailed then to Caesarea. And they arrived at Caesarea Maritima where they met uh, Philip the Evangelist, Luke tells us in chapter 21. And that takes us back to you know, the early chapters of, uh, of the book of Acts. And then Agabus the prophet, Luke says, who took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the, the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And following this, this dramatic demonstration by Agabus the prophet, Luke writes, when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go to Jerusalem, to which the apostle Paul replied, listen to this, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart, for I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what are we to make of all of this? He, he receives this uh, spirit-filled counsel from the disciples in Tyre, and then this well-respected uh, prophet named Agabus you know, uh, demonstrates how he would be bound in Jerusalem. Uh, did Paul ignore the spirit-filled counsel of, of friends and uh, other followers of Jesus? Or did they receive maybe the same briefing from the Holy Spirit that Paul did, that troubles were ahead, but then they took it one step too far? And they told him not to go. Well-intentioned, but the Holy Spirit had never said, don't go. He just said, be prepared. <laughs> There's a high cost awaiting you. Uh, there's a lot of back and forth in some of the commentaries and you know, other books about this section in the book of Acts. Did, did Paul make a mistake? Would he have never been in prison? Would he have never been beheaded? Uh, Charles Swindoll, a respected pastor, uh, reflected upon this passage and he writes this. I don't think I've ever made a major decision in my adult life that some individuals did not say was wrong. <laughs> he says that makes tough decisions even tougher. But I've learned to respect some poor advice given in love. Our closest family members and friends mean well and want the best for us. Still, we need people who will look out for God's good. People who will say to us, let God be God. Uh, my uh, experience in ministry agrees uh, with Swindoll's. Sometimes, uh, e even back in my mid to late 20s when I was considering leaving the business world and going into vocational ministry, uh, some well-meaning family members said, you don't want to do that. I, I've known some uh, parents and grandparents who hear that their children or grandchildren are signing up for the mission field, saying, no, 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 you don't want to do that. You can follow Jesus right here. Sometimes, uh, you know, when, when, when you're sure of God's calling as Paul was, and he had fully calculated the cost, you have to take the well-meaning, well-intentioned advice, poor advice, Swindoll says, of some people who say, no, 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 you don't want to do that. Follow Jesus long enough, obey Him long enough, and you will pay a price. But take comfort in these words from Apostle Paul 
in 2 Corinthians 4.17. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good radio message, The High Cost of Following Jesus. Now here's Dr. Ron Jones with a preview of tomorrow's message. If anyone would come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. He never promised an easy path. He never promised, you know, that all of your wants and wishes would be granted. He never promised the Ritz-Carlton. Jesus taught us self-denial, not self-help. Join us tomorrow for Something Good when Dr. Ron Jones shares part two of his message, The High Cost of Following Jesus. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.